When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 is back and ready for a big week. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. David Reed and Jakob Swanson make the show happen for us today. Reed is the chairman of the board. Big show planned. A lot of headlines to hit in hour number one. The Tennessee Power Hour will be jam-packed as well. The NFL Draft is here. But before we get to those headlines, a great weekend for Outkick and Outkick 360 in Knoxville, a huge thank you to our first affiliate. You always remember your first. Fan Run Radio, Fox Sports Knoxville, in Knoxville. Great guys. Our first big event with them at Old City Sports Bar. Chad, it was a fantastic weekend. Great time to take the show on the road and uh, meet and greet some uh, listeners, some viewers out there. and Had a great time in Knoxville. Old City Sports Bar, who you mentioned. Huge thank you to them for partnering with us on this. Mark, Aaron, Malia, who was the manager there that day, did a terrific job uh, hosting us. Want to thank you. It was a great venue. Great uh, it people. Was, it was rainy yes, outside. All of you. Yes, ra- rainy outside, but it was a great venue to host. And especially our friends uh, from Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey, Andy, Charlie Nelson, great friends of ours for years now. We partnered with them on other ventures. They partnered with us on this event before the Orange and White game on Saturday. Had a great time with them. People enjoyed the Tennessee whiskey, the original Tennessee whiskey. So a big thanks to them as well. And uh, everyone who came out. Hutton, it was a terrific crowd. Unfortunately, Paul couldn't be there. He had some people. baseball commitments this Even weekend. Even the weather, the yeah. weather cooperated. And not, not on the drive Did down. Did not cooperate here. <laughs> not on the drive down. But once uh, it was a, a, about 10 minutes prior to kickoff, I won't say it was the, the, the sun was shining, but the, the rain stopped. So it was good. It was, uh, it was weird because all day we're looking at it, we're like, all right, there's a window from 4 to 6 perfect. p.m. where there's like a 30% chance of rain. It's like 75, 80% chance, and it goes down to 30. And we're thinking, maybe for once God is smiling on the balls. <laughs> it hasn't happened in about you know, 12, 13 years that he has. Maybe this is the sign of good things to come. Sure enough, stopped raining yeah. about 30 minutes before kickoff. Go to the game, great. Uh, go to dinner uh, later that night, walking in downtown Knoxville, sunny out as uh, it's you know early evening. Uh, turned into a nice day in Knoxville, but we couldn't have done it without all of our uh, yeah. partners up in uh, up in Knoxville this weekend. Big, it was great. big shout out to, again, thank you, Nate Hodges and everyone at Fan Run Radio and, and Fox Sports Knoxville. Uh, we will get to some details and some takeaways from the Tennessee Vols orange and white game, plus John Robinson's press conference. Uh, earlier this morning with local uh, media, or national media, I should say, just with media, um, prior to the Titans draft on Thursday. We'll get to the specifics of the Titans coming up. We also have, uh, Paul's brought three different mock drafts uh, for the first four picks. So it'll be the first three rounds. We'll do another exercise where we compare three together and see which group of players best fits this team right now. But from a broad sense, NFL Draft Week is here. A lot of trade discussion happening as we went off the year uh, on Friday. There was a trade with the, the Ravens and the Chiefs. And there's also discussion about who Kyle Shanahan is going to select as his next quarterback in San Francisco. Mortensen saying this morning, 90% chance it's Mac Jones. <laughs> so that, that leaves the 10% opportunity that it's not that guy. And no one's a certainty other than Trevor Lawrence at number one. But beyond that, it's not Justin Fields, according to Rappaport. It is down to Trey Lance or Mac Jones in San Francisco. You know what that news made me do, Hutton? First off, at FanDuel Sportsbook, (laughs) made those odds shift way away from Justin Fields. And when that report came out, I rushed to FanDuel Sportsbook, and I put money on Justin Fields being the pick because it's almost too obvious (laughs) 
that it's Fields. And all these <laughs> conflicting reports are coming out. And I still believe that Justin Fields is going to be the pick the one at thing. number three. I saw, I think it was Todd McShay had a report today that the Panthers are so interested in Justin Fields, they're praying that the 49ers don't take him and that they may be in the quarterback market even though they have Sam Darnold right now yeah. if Fields is there at eight for them. I think it's going to be Fields the, the 49ers. The one thing is there's no reason for the 49ers to really be toying around. They're not going to trade out of that spot. They're no. taking their guy at that spot. So outside of some gamesmanship, really not with other teams, really with the media, there's no reason for them to be messing around. I, I mean, they'd be better off staying silent. Um, but I think the year they took Solomon Thomas, they, they, they pretty much let it be known that they were taking Solomon Thomas. Um, well, but th- this is a different regime. You know, and, and yeah, Shan- I think they were Shanahan the- and Lynch together. Um, to, I, I think it's expect the unexpected from them. Um, well, the unexpected right now would be, would just, be, would just, be just the field, field. Right. right? But, they, but like, why bother? I mean, again, who are they toying with? I think they like messing with people. Yeah, I think teams in general uh, they like screwing around with people. If you can get some misinformation out there, even if it doesn't really benefit you, you're right, Paul. It doesn't. It only messes with the media or the people reporting these well, things. Well, could but. could be the long game sets things up down the road. Were they trustworthy back when they had three and everybody knew what they you know uh, there was no reason for well, secrecy or gamesmanship. But they play you know next year when they have you know another year where they have nine and it's much more intriguing. Uh, you know, is it a factor then? I don't know. Maybe they're thinking long game in terms of the misinformation game. I don't know. Well, the, the other thing, though, is when you trade up to three, you're not getting – you know the Jets are likely to take a quarterback. We know Jacksonville's taking Lawrence. So you have to have two guys in mind, not just one guy that you're trading up for, because there is no certainty on who's going to be there if you're going after one player. You don't – at the time, you didn't know. Um, and Rappaport is saying that it's down to two guys. It's down to Mac Jones or Trey Lance, and that's what they're going into the week finalizing on their board. Um, back whenever the Rams traded for the number one overall pick from the Titans with John Robinson, um, Coach Dave McGinnis, who was on Jeff Fisher's staff and assistant head coach, has told us multiple times when they made, for the, when they made the trade, they didn't know for sure it was going to be Goff, even as even as they held the number one overall they pick. They knew they liked both of them enough Goff to or spend Wentz. the number one pick. And them. they settle on Jared Goff and, and make him the number one overall selection. But when they made the trade prior to the draft, they did not know for sure, which is really interesting. And that was an early and trade. That so was it a, could be the same here, where they like a number of guys enough to know they wanted to get to three, but not knowing exactly who they're going to well, take. Well, what I'd read is that they um, – they like Jones enough at three to say, all right, at the very worst, we're going to wind up with Jones at three. We'll make this deal, and now we'll thoroughly investigate everything, and maybe it changes. But at the very least, mm-hmm. we're going to wind up with Mac Jones, who we like very much at three. Now, that, again, could be smoke. But that, that makes sense. A lot of people think you have to know exactly who you like. And, and to hear people talk about these trades well after the fact, it sounds like it's more often like like I'm talking about. At the very least, we're getting so-and-so at such-and-such, and that's good enough, but we'll make this trade knowing that things could evolve and our opinions could could evolve after we see all these people, which makes sense, right? The, the, we've discussed on Friday the cyclical news nature of the draft. When San Francisco made the trade from 12 to 3, to, to get up and, and, and select their quarterback. Initially, within the first five minutes, the national reporters were chiming in, this has got to be for Trey Lance. This has to be for Trey Lance because of the envisioning that style of quarterback with the Shanahan offense. And within, it was interesting, within like 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, it quickly shifted to Matt Jones, almost you know, within the hour of the trade Very being fast. announced. And as we get here to draft week, the report, as it goes back full circle, is it's down to Trey Lance and Mac Jones. So here, rinse and repeat uh, on the news. And, and we'll, it's been two months. Justin Fields will be back in the conversation by Thursday. How good does it feel, though, that we're here in draft week now, so we know this news cycle that's obvious every year is reaching its conclusion. <laughs> right? I mean, we're, here we are Monday. Draft yeah. is Thursday night. So we know now we have reached the finish line. All of these reports, rumors, everything – that cycle itself through every single April when we have this draft, we've reached the end of it right now. It's beautiful. Well, 
You're talking like it's over. I mean, we got three. Plus, <laughs> well, I'm saying three we, plus it's, no. It's going to happen. Like everything Hutton went through. Okay, the first round, the second round, the third. What you're going to hear from the GMs after the draft? Yep. Well, now here's where here are the stories we're going to hear on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, day of the draft. We know now the cycle has hit its its ending. I'm I'm ready for it to be Thursday night. Here's what we're going to hear Thursday and Friday, and uh, just just a quick. Uh, repeat of, of the, the storylines from every team across the and league. every draft. First round pick was guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely, they had a first round grade on this player. They love him. It's a guy that the wanted to all aligned along. for that guy. You no. build your franchise around this type of player. That's what we're going to hear. It, every team's going to say that. And a majority of teams will be correct. They'll have a first round grade on their player, uh, but but not every team. Number The second round can't believe that this guy fell to the second round. We had him we had him very high on our boards and we were very fortunate that we were able to sit and wait on the player or in this case trade up two spots to make sure we get the player in the position of need. That's the second round description. Third round description, uh, you know what? Maybe you're going to see some people say that we took him a little early. We knew that if we passed on him, he wasn't going to be available for us in the fourth round, so we had to take him here because of his fit and his instant credibility for what he's going to do for the position of need. Those are the three main descriptions for those rounds. Here's one thing that consistently amazes me that I will give teams credit for, particularly in the back half of the first round, particularly in the, in the 20s, but even earlier than that, right? We know there's disappointment, right? Your guy goes off the board two <laughs> picks before you or one pick before you. And these teams do a really good job of getting excited about who they get, Right? They wash away that disappointment uh, in the in the draft room videos. No, even. I was going to bring that up. They're on not, camera, not just in the press conference where they have time to get ready, because the press conference is usually, uh, it, oftentimes they come down and talk, or they get on the zooms as it's going to be now. Still, for most teams, pretty quickly after the pick. But sometimes, if you're late in the first round, it won't be until after the first round's over. So you have some time to gather yourself and get together there. But in the war room videos, the places where they have cameras in the war rooms, it, 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 it doesn't appear fake, right? No. You have enthusiasm for your guy, even if two picks before you were crushed. And you're pretty good at faking two picks before when you're crushed if the camera's running in there. So I have to say, there's enthusiasm for whoever you get. Even if you really wanted the guy that you got uh, that went two picks before you or one pick before you, which has to be devastating. But these guys are pros, and they know that until you're on the clock, anything can happen. And, you know, you can't get your hopes up too much about a guy unless you go get him. He could disappear right before you. And that's the fact of life in the draft room. And so you never see a team go, oh, man, we had to have it. Now we got to settle for this guy. That's for the fans at, at, at home. I'd love to see that, though, just one time. Like a guy throwing, <laughs> a, throwing a chair across the room. As emotional you know, coaches are on the sideline. Yeah. They're as thinking it to a degree. Booth. But they're also of the frame of mind where, you know, as, as so it narrows down, we're, getting, pound, we're who, getting one of these three. The visiting GM. Who know. was it that used to pound the – Napoleon. Napoleon. Napoleon at Nissan Stadium. Uh, you know, and in a lot of these press boxes, they're not given uh, <laughs> private booths. They're put – and John Robinson on the road. Uh, the, the Titans visitor. GM is just put in the – Press box with the press. <laughs> yeah. And it's a challenge for some of these guys who are emotional to – John Robinson does very well. He, he's just blank. Now, when he goes home and watches the film, he probably really <laughs> – Napoleon used to bang the Napoleon table. Napoleon couldn't help on a call or a drop or a, a <laughs> he pound the table the, oh, in front of him. Uh, yeah. Everybody just looking over. But the, you know, and, then, and then it's really kind of like press box couth is that you don't really talk about it. But the new generation guys get in there and they're like, boy, Poland's really banging the table. <laughs> the know? new generation I, guys, like I yeah, say that. I yeah. don't. I mean, I don't think it's proper etiquette I don't either. to report I, I, I'm, about I'm the with GM. You. I think you, uh, He's put I think in you hold back when you that. I remember we are in Foxborough for uh, Titans in the playoffs against the Patriots. And I remember John Robinson and his his posse Entourage. sitting sort of right behind us. And at halftime or into the first quarter, I go to the the bathroom, and there's John Robinson at the urinal. Just kind of give the nod right next to me. But we know each other. <laughs> but it's such an awkward time, that's right, to be talking to someone that's in that like we're in two very different Friends head spaces at that point. Like at this that is, point, this is all you do, Chad. You go. 
Yeah, I think it was just a quick nod. I said nothing else, but, uh, barely even acknowledgement as the other person is a human being. And then we went right back to doing what we were doing, which is me <laughs> tweeting about the game and John Robinson watching his team Intently. play in the playoffs. Yeah. And we're all sitting there witness to what this excruciating yeah. level of pressure is for yeah. someone in his Before the position. game, you throw him like a, good luck, right. you're in the elevator. Like I'm but, staying in the elevator with him sometimes coming up from the field. Like, it's a very tense time. You got but he's right, good luck, though. Good luck. We don't see the – you're not pounding the table on those It's a lot feeds. of self-control, though. I mean, look, I'm well, going to my son's game. Edited. And my son's asking me desperately, Dad, just don't talk. And I'm going there <laughs> with, the, with the desire to don't not speak. talk. And Dad, then, don't speak. And then he's playing, you know, at the 18 when he needs to be at the penalty spot. And I can't help but say, higher, <laughs> higher. <laughs> You know, that's, I'm not saying that's Dad, the same thing by any means, but yeah. this thing where you tell yourself to be quiet, in the moment, can you actually be quiet? Well, John Robinson, yes. Bill Polian, no. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's for a lot of us. If you're ever watching, Paul, if you went to a Yankees game and sat in the press box, well, you're a big Yankees fan. I've been at multiple Tennessee sporting events on the press row. Once you've worked in the press, it's pretty easy not to cheer. Yes. You just sit and watch. You talk to the game with your buddy or whatever. You so know. I feel like John Robinson and others have just been conditioned. Right. That you just get there, and even though this is your livelihood on the field in front of you, you can take notes. You can channel that nervous energy into taking down a note right. or doing something or looking down or talking to the person next to you without cheering. But also, yelling. he flips it. You know, he's on a road game, he's in the press box and he's quiet. At a home game, he's in the coaching booth or whatever his booth is and he's pounding away on the table. <laughs> pounding that table. Pounding the fist on the table. Clear distinction. Thank pounding you. that table. That's right. Coming up, we get into the college football playoff subcommittee's discussion. Interesting that they float this out there about expanding the playoff. So let's discuss what they are really hoping for Bring by it. floating this information out there that they're considering 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, and what's actually best for college football at this point. A, a lot to discuss coming up. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is where you can get the best action on the games for both NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. Will the Braves have more than one hit? You can probably find a parlay uh, or a prop on that. FanDuel.com slash OK360. And as a new user, you can have a risk-free bet up to $1,000 in credit back if you lose your first bet with FanDuel.com. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Jacob Swanson, and the chairman of the board, David Reed, making the show happen. Lance Lee back with us later this week. I feel like gravity is consistently working against me. I, I pull this the, table the up a little bit off my knees at, 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 for a show, and then the next show it's on my knees. But the first segment I lifted it up, and now it's back. Hmm. And I tighten it up as hard as can be. So tightened. you, so Chad has the the same issue with the microphone each day, where he thinks he he's going to leave it yeah. the proper pointed the proper direction, but every yeah, day. Yeah, but here's the big difference. I'm not asking for Jacob's help. I do this myself. <laughs> yeah. But if Kirby were here, Paul would have him fashion a new desk for him. No, uh, well, Kirby. After making fun of him, uh, Kirby, I would do have him do something so he would be quiet and work on a project. Yeah. That was a good technique. Look, I could put this thing on every day. It's just not going to be wrong. able to be heard <laughs> the way I do it. Right. I have no problem clipping it on. It's just it's one of those things I just can't envision how it gets turned around. It's like there's another show happening here that we're not yeah, aware right. of that Somebody's someone's using this mic, mic and way. messing with it. I could teach you how to flip it. Okay. I, I don't. You don't want to learn. I kind of like these guys helping. Yeah, I know. It's like a special bond we have now. It's really built. All right, the desk the is now off the knees. So let's see if it comes back. And it's, this is cranked as tight as I can get it to go. So if this thing comes down, there's Something somebody's working on. against. So the college football playoff subcommittee is discussing the possibility of playoff expansion. We have, I mean, this is sports radio topic item zero, you know, in, in many cases across the country. Um, even when they're not discussing playoff expansion, we want more games for the college football playoff. What, are we buying this? I don't know why they would. Uh, Bill Hancock, the executive director, he said there will not be a new format this season or next season. The timetable is certainly an important detail, but it hasn't been determined yet. Um, 
you know, their current agreement expires after the 2025 season. There's just here's why it's going to happen. There's too much money to be made from the television agreement not to expand. It's uh, the fact that it's floated out there tells me they're going to expand. Yes. So it's just how many teams are going to be in it to expand to. I do find it interesting though the timing of it that they float this possible expansion of the playoffs right after the Super League announcement mm. got floated and there was a huge blowback. So it makes me think: Is this going to be a new PR strategy? Hey, let's get something out there with some stories. If there's this immediate backlash there's everywhere, not be backlash. Well, there's Who's not. But, I'm, but you see my point. Like you yeah. could easily float something, and then we think it's great, and people are going to love it, and then other people aren't. But Paul, there's always back. There's going to be people saying, "Well, we're using these student athletes again to make more money and put them at more risk for concussions by expanding the playoffs, and the rich get richer, and all of this." Fans love it. Because it's more playoff games, it's more games that matter. It's probably less bowl games that don't matter. Good, get rid of those bowl games. So that's what that's what fans games. want. And Hutton, but you hit the nail on the head. The reason it's going to happen is because the money. It's the money. I don't. That's why. I, I don't know. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know that the the bowl games that don't matter were down last year because of COVID. Anyway, I don't know that ratings were any good for these games. I think we discovered more than ever how irrelevant that they are. So strip some of those away. Let the good teams play a couple extra games. Uh, look, we, we've gone over the, you know, they're off campus too much. It's diving into their thing. You know, uh, how far are you going to extend that schedule or how much are you going to play them earlier? Uh, you know, that's all to be sorted out. I think you can play them earlier. You don't need this huge layoff between the end of end of the the league championship seasons and the and the college football playoffs. And I quite frankly think you can get rid of the league championships. I, I'd have no problem with that unless you're officially calling them the first round of the playoffs, which I would have no problem with. Then eliminate teams. Well, they're not from, getting rid of the SEC championship. Right, they no, make a ton of money. And a Big Ten, too. All right, but then make that an elimination game. Well, it is. Put, but that's the beauty of college football, is, right? It Sometimes is. it is an elimination game Sometimes. based on if a team's got one loss and you're looking at a bunch of teams that are undefeated or you got two losses and you have an outside chance getting it, that is an elimination game if you lose it. Here's what I want with conference championships. Everyone does it. If you're in a conference, you have a championship game. There's no different rules. There's no leagues that don't have a championship. And some that do. And for the most part, most do now. They'll have some sort of conference championship game. So I'm fine with that. Here's something else I want added. And this is a little bit of the mix of the NFL and then college. Then make it a Champions League playoff, so to speak. Well, sort of. But, you know, if there's, for example, if there's a team with three losses that gets in on one side of a division, they beat an undefeated team, and they get lucky in the championship game. I don't want them in as the representative from that league in the playoff. I want the team with one loss, even if that one loss in the championship game. Anyway. Don't lose. Home playoff games. If it goes to eight, let's have an on-campus host of a game. I love the idea of playing for that home playoff game in the NFL. How cool would it be to see in the round of eight, let's say it goes from four to eight, in that round of eight, having Alabama host Washington in the first round having uh, LSU host Michigan, or whatever it may be, but having those on-campus college football playoff games like you see in FCS, I think it would be a really cool thing. And not just going cool, to a neutral but site. But it takes away some of the lure of the games in terms of profitability where you get people traveling to well, an event and a weekend in a city well, and they're going to, where you have something to get – Cities to bid on, stadiums to bid on. They're also going right. to scratch the back of their partners. Like, you know, this year the semifinal games will be at the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl. Well, some of these bowl games will be diminished at, at the top, I'm saying, right. because you're taking away that second tier Semi. pool of players. And, I mean, before long you end up with, you know, a, the Weed Eater Bowl. Well, not not only that, but like the the teams for these big time bowl games that aren't in the rotation for the college football playoff end up with a game that's less impactful to them for the status of whatever they're paying for. That that's so that's why I think they would be included in the rotation. Like we see the Rose Bowl and I, others. Again, this is and the Rose Bowl is going to be a problem. You're going to make more money off television, more than anything else. And sure, you're going to take away from the economic impact of these cities that you go and play in a neutral site. 
and a lot of that's going to change. Um, I'm just talking about for the good of the sport and what I'd like to see. Yeah. The ability to host a playoff game on your campus would be cool. is so unique to major college football in that it's never happened. And it would be cool to have that one-game elimination on your campus. You make your money back on the television package. The atmospheres will be far better if you did something like that and hosted games on campus. Um, I think it would make a lot of sense. But I also get that if you're looking for straight profitability, it's not the way to go. And, New Year's and you want Day, to go to a neutral site. New Year's Day must be a factor in this, one way or the other. Has to be a factor. What do you do about the Rose Bowl? Will the Rose Bowl take a semifinal game? Will the Rose Bowl take a quarterfinal game? Or are you going to have to work around the Rose Bowl? And is the Rose Bowl taking the two best teams that aren't in it? Or is the Rose Bowl taking Big Ten, Pac-12, two best teams that aren't in well, it? They've been, semifinal, they've been a semifinal host before. I don't know why they wouldn't do it again and not been the national championship host. I, 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 so are we keeping the same bowl games in the rotation oh, the for big, semis and finals, and then you put different teams in it for the court, different bowls in it for the quarters? Is that what cool, you think like it the, expands I mean, I think the what quarters? they do is they just get, let's say it's eight, right? You're just going to have the same – they're going to bid it out, and you're going to have the same bowl games. Sites like the Rose Bowl will always get playoff games. Right. They're always well, going to be in well, the they always get Right now, they'd say, we're not taking less than a semi, I would think. Yeah, I mean, they could, and they could probably position for that. Sugar Bowl, same thing. Uh, you know, the Cotton Bowl, probably. Fiesta. I mean, there's, there's games that could position itself that way, but um, I, I think you would see, just like you see the rotation now, you would now just see, instead of a rotation, these are the four bowls that always are going to have games. We'll, we'll rotate who gets the national championship and all that, but they're always going to have playoff games played in these venues and in these cities. I, I want more. Um, and I want more of the big status games. Yeah, and less of these bad bowl games that people don't really care about anyway. I mean, but we're, we're, we'll be back to the – as soon as you start to see – but it's not like the college football playoff games are all that entertaining. Um, no. They're uh, they're huge, impactful games for the sport, but many of them are blowouts. But do we buy that? Hey, it's going to be easier for the eighth team to recruit now because you say, "Hey, we're getting in at least," and you've got a crack at it. Whereas now, you know, uh, well, Alabama eighth, and Clemson have such a. But what's interesting is the eighth team is Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, well, right now they're probably the fourth team, right? Typically, Oklahoma is one of those. But four. I'm just basing off the AP yeah, in the five. year. But usually, they're. But Oklahoma is, I would argue, one of those programs that under Lincoln Riley, they're going to get in. You know, a lot to of years. Four. So you're going to be one of the teams that can compete. Can you win a national title? Yes, once you get in there, but it's usually Clemson, Alabama. It's, it's Ohio, Ohio State, State, Clemson, Alabama. Um, the bowl system, while outdated, I think going to a bowl game does still have value for teams uh, and coaches at times and for the cities. You know, we live here in Nashville, and having a Music City Bowl is cool for the city. Ask anyone who works for that bowl or who's run it. It definitely mm-hmm. has its benefits uh, for, the, for the city of Nashville, and, and I could say that about any bowl game in, in any city, but... The college football playoff in its current format has created the haves and have-nots of college football worse than anyone right. ever could have imagined. So does this help that? But the, the problem was they thought at time, we're going to create a meritocracy. We're going to see who the true champion is. And what it's done is it's taken the programs with the highest profile and the best coaches, and it's made them inflated. It's, it's put them on steroids, so to speak. And now no one else can really compete. And that's, that's the problem with it. Now, if you go to eight teams, Paul. Does that help it? It helps it. It helps it. But it's still, you know, you're probably going to add, it's going to be 10 to 12. Right now it's 5 to 7 that could compete for a national title. Now it's going to be 10 to 12. Well, more is when better. You put eight. I agree. And more, it's going to take time better. for those 10 to 12 to establish themselves and get people in the pipeline and all of that. Right. Well, here's and hopefully there's some variation in the 10 to 12 as opposed to the same 10 to 12 all the time. That's what we want, right? Some, some variability. Somebody sneaks in there that you don't expect, and then they, they win a game. I also think that you're going to have to... It's got a March Madness feel. There's going to have to be some sort of rule set up. Um, if you really want to get, uh, get it to be a meritocracy, so to speak, and you want to get things more on an even playing field, give more teams a chance to compete, um, Alabama can't be on ESPN for their spring game. They can't be the only program that's on ESPN, the ESPN, and Tennessee's on SEC Network Plus. I get that it's supply and demand. 
I get that 47,000 fans went to the Alabama spring game. I understand where Tennessee is right now as a program. But if you want to look at the rich get richer, uh, doing a 12-part series on Nick Saban on your parent, on, on your broadcast partner, the ESPN, that's not setting up an even playing field for everyone. The last thing Alabama needs is more promotion <laughs> through a huge network, right? He, he's mic'd up the entire game. And I get it. People, I, I tweeted a video of Nick Saban today because he's terrific in the video of what he's saying. And I, I, we can't tell broadcast partners how to do their business. But this isn't a problem in the NFL where they at least it look like they're attempting to spread the wealth in terms of coverage to all 32 teams, right? And when you're in a business that relies on recruiting and not an even salary cap situation in a draft, Alabama's not going to go anywhere ever as long as Nick Saban is there. They're going to have to make a terrible hire. Not just a semi-bad hire, a terrible... They will have to make the Derek Dooley of hires (laughs) in order to not be in the college football playoff every year, even when Nick Saban leaves. I don't know. Even Derek Dooley could roll around in a chair and win games at Alabama. Well, we talked about this with the North Carolina basketball job. <laughs> it's kind of tough to screw that up, right? It's yeah. tough to not they recruit screwed in it up North Carolina. After Dean Smith. Matt Doherty came close to screwing it up, for sure. But it's still tough. Like, you're going to get players. Matt Doherty got players. He just screwed it up as a coach. But he screwed I just, it up. I just think that I, I don't have the solution I'm not to so sure that post-Nick Saban, they're okay. I don't, They'll I don't, be okay for a while, but then the guy's got to be good. He doesn't have to be Nick Saban good, but he's got to be good. I don't have a solution to it because now we're messing with people's money, because more people are watching Alabama because they're so great every year. So who am I to tell these networks how to do their job? It's like them being on CBS. Who they put on there, being on CBS, being on the primetime ESPN game, being in all these places. But if I'm the rest of the league, I'm sitting around thinking, I like the paycheck I get when all of it contributes to my bottom line also. But I hate turning on the TV and thinking – do we need another Alabama infomercial on ESPN this weekend? Yes. Do I need to go mic'd up or behind the scenes with a Nick Saban on a recruiting visit or in his office? Do I need Marty Smith here covering Florida and Dan Mullen when I just saw him on CBS? Well, I'll say this. And if you're looking around and you're Arkansas and Missouri and Kentucky and Vandy and now I'll throw Tennessee in that mix also, and you're on the SEC Network 11 a.m. game every week, the, the, the answer is going to be from people, oh, you're whining, just go win. Well, well hell, to win, you got to get players. I'll say and this. And the players are going places where they see people on the networks every weekend. If people would follow the rules of rooting, this would be less of a problem. So you've got some weak-minded people born in your state, now my adopted no, state. No, it's your state. <laughs> it's but, your state, too. Uh, yeah, my state, too, but I don't give a damn who they root for in college football. You do. And you've got, we, when we start taking calls again on this show, like we did on our old show, we'll hear from people who uh, are very clearly from Tennessee, who've never visited Tuscaloosa in person, who are huge Bama fans. Why? Because they're front runners and they love a winner. They root for Kentucky basketball and, and, <laughs> and Alabama That's been a tougher go football. for them lately, but yes. Right. Well, the Alabama football part's not been a tough go, and they're watching that spring game. Uh, that's the problem. They need to be more uh, loyal on regular rooting interests. You root for your home school. You root for your dad's school. You root for the school you go to. Things like that. And you don't just root for the school that wins the most national championships in the most recent years. We have a big problem with that in America. We, we jump on winners. I, I'm a Yankees fan. There are way too many Yankees fans who've never been in New York. Go away. Go root for your local team. You know, all of that stuff. We have a lot of that in Nashville uh, with certain sports because those, those sports didn't have a team here. And so regionally you chose Braves, Cardinals, Reds. You know, that's fine if you're Braves, Cardinals, Reds. How did you become a fan of the Cowboys? You know? Yeah. How did you become a fan of, of the Yankees? You, you picked them because they were winning. That's we are, how. We are very anti-frontrunner on this show. I would say all three of us. Hutton picked the damn Orioles when he we, had a chance yes, to pick a team. And I respect Hutton because it's a character builder when you choose the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. Just like uh, right now, some of my fandoms are character builders with all the losing. Uh, and, I'll, and, and when the teams win again, you'll respect it even more. But we're big time anti, uh, anti-jumping on the bandwagon on this show. Paul, give your stance on if you see someone wearing a Harvard sweatshirt. Because I think what that this I kind did, of yes. sums up the fan bases yeah. out there. I see somebody in a Harvard sweatshirt, and I'm with these guys. I walk by that person, and I mutter under my breath, 
yeah, you went to Harvard, <laughs> right? You went to a Harvard bookstore, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Now, if you went to Harvard, congratulations. Went to Amazon. But I would never wear a sweatshirt, a hat, anything of a team or a school that I'm not connected to. You'll never see me wear, my wife bought me, God bless you, Teresa, <laughs> you bought me a Vanderbilt uh, 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 polo. <laughs> because we had Vanderbilt season tickets, and she thought, you know, I'd wear a Vanderbilt polo to a Vanderbilt game. I can't wear the thing. I can't. And then Paul was there singing, dynamite, dynamite. I, I mean, I was rooting hard yeah, for well, Vanderbilt at right. that stage because we lived down the street. It was great going to the games. We saw Shane Foster at his very best. It was a thrill to go to those games. But I still can't wear Vanderbilt clothes. I wear Columbia clothes. I went to Columbia. That's it. I wear Yankee clothes. I wear U.S. soccer clothes. I've adopted Chelsea because we went and we went to a Chelsea game and I wanted an EL. EPL team. I think anything foreign That's is it. Fun. <laughs> That's from it. another country, if you want to wear one thing from a team from another but country, we know a guy. Totally we know a there. guy who grew up an Astros fan. He used to be in the same division with St. Louis and the Cubs. He wears hats of all three teams. This is another thing where if you love everything, you love nothing. If you're wearing hats of three teams that were in the same division in your youth, you like no one. No one. Paul, uh, V-Love on Twitter says, don't you own a Mississippi State shirt that you sleep in? Now, I was given a Mississippi State shirt as a gag. It's a very soft shirt, and I wear it in the privacy of my own home to sleep in. To sleep in, which is a step short of fire kindling. I, I will also, for for the... Uh, no one's seeing this shirt other than... For, for the sake of transparency, Paul, whenever he chose his EPL team, actually chose a different club, and they sucked so bad that he switched to Chelsea. True or false? Uh, uh, true. They got, they what got, was the team? Well, listen, it was Swansea City. They got friggin' relegated. Now, I'm not, if I'm picking a European soccer so team. Tell me how that's different team. from an Alabama fan who grew up a Tennessee fan and they started sucking so bad they went to Alabama. Well, look. Or they initially picked Tennessee look, as a team. And I consulted with EPL fans on this, and I got allowance. If, your team, if you pick a team that's bad enough in that. two years. I consulted years, with fans. That's bad enough in two years to get relegated. I'm not following the Championship <laughs> League that's, in Europe. That's I, I'm fair. looking to follow the EPL. That's not fair. I, I went for it. I don't want to be a front runner and pick a good team. And it failed so badly yeah. that my team was no longer in the EPL. <laughs> With all due respect to the OVC, if Tennessee yeah. got relegated to the OVC, I'd probably right. pick, pick another school <laughs> well, in look, major college football. I, I, I wanted follow. to pick a team that I, I could. That. I wanted to pick a team I could that's follow. The only, that's the only thing that I would do. The only reason I'd leave, though. I wanted to pick a team I could follow. Once a team's relegated, you can't follow them. They're not on TV in America. <laughs> you can't find them. Much like Tennessee spring game. <laughs> you can't find them. I, I, I know that we don't have uh, enough time for me to get into my true hatred of this, this whole thing in this segment. But we've just scratched the surface on a bigger subject. And I want to talk about the kid who switched from Tennessee to Ole Miss in fandom that wrote letters to the oh, schools. Oh, yes. Uh, we should absolutely And why get that. I think this kid and his father are to blame for a lot of these, uh, these problems. I, I, this is not a feel-good story to me. I, I, everybody thinks it's cute and catchy that, oh, this kid, my team's losing and I'm mad, so I'm going to write letters and, oh, he picked another. No. We'll talk about it more later. Boys, I, I don't think it's a great I, story. Before we break here, I had a momentous occasion. I think occasion. we're teaching the youth of America the wrong things. I oh, had a is. momentous occasion in my life this weekend. We were separate. Uh, this occurred with Simon and I in the automobile. Now, I remember this happening when I was maybe Simon's age. And it was a much bigger deal because uh, once upon a time an odometer had, you know, actual reels. And, you know, one would click and it would click the next one and click the next one. And this was a big family occasion. I can remember we had a station wagon where this happened. It's much less exciting when it happens like this. But this happened in my car this weekend, and I captured it. Hit 100,000 miles in my uh, Hit that again. 2016 Accord. For those of you just listening, we're looking at 99999, flip to 100,000. It was very exciting. Did you, just go, like, did you just start the car seeing it that way? No, we were watching it. Okay. Oh, Simon so had aware. an eye on it, and then I obviously was aware to put my okay. camera. Okay, it looks on. like you gunned it based on one of the like like you gunned it to get it to. No, I had it. I had it on a lot longer. I trimmed the video. Okay, down. Gotcha. I, once I was at at nine miles, <laughs> I 
put the He was actually out. racing someone at a light. Yeah. <laughs> Paul looked over and said, you want to go? Jacob? I thought you were just excited about the gas mileage. <laughs> yeah. Great gas I mileage. have never monitored gas mileage now, in my life. So 100,000 miles, is, it feels like a decade ago for David Reed's old truck. Yeah, how many, how many, how many miles before you uh, ended up totaling this bad boy did you end up with prior to it now sitting in a scrapyard? Well, first of all, I did not end up totaling it. A uh, vegan Sorry. chef. Sorry. <laughs> yes, let me. Told, you know, I apologize. Was pushing two hundred ninety-nine thousand. Did it have an old school odometer? No, it was digital. Do you remember had, watching old school odometers like no, in your I didn't, dad's but car? It still had manual windows, manual oh. locks. <laughs> How cool is an old school <laughs> old school odometers? You can even hear click, right? Yeah. And they had tenth of a mile even on them. That was Reed. Would you also hold. like to uh, send a message to Teresa Kuharski? I feel like you wanted to say something earlier when Paul yes, said. Yes. Well, anytime Paul says Teresa, God bless you. I say yes, Teresa. God <laughs> bless you. She is in David's prayers <laughs> for sure. By the way, the co-op shirt is very slimming on you. I may, if I may say, Green what co-op is it? Yeah. Murray, for, I Murray saw, former. Well, there was a very unflattering angle earlier, so I've just. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the Murray Farmers Co-op with the traditional spelling of M A U R Y. Meanwhile, Jacob miraculously always looks exactly the same <laughs> in terms of yes. weight on camera. No matter what angle you catch him at, it's always the same. <laughs> what what crazy band name you got on there today? Yeah, what are you? Can uh, we say it on air? This is my Can old, we say it on uh, broadcast? This is the record store I worked at. It's called the Electric Fetus. <laughs> The electric fetus, where he wore the uh, famous shirt, I hate the environment. It's so crazy <laughs> Got no that reaction I don't whatsoever. know when he's being sarcastic or not, or just making up a name. The places, the, the bands. <laughs> he says it right on he, It's definitely a shirt. Yeah, we need to send out a photo of that. Show the full shirt on camera, if you will, Jacob, as we go to break. Uh, there it is, the electric fetus. Who named it? Uh, some hippie in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just trying to... I'd like to know the other names he came up with. <laughs> that was actually the least Put that in the band name... <laughs> of the names that, that he came up yeah, with. Put that in the band name book I didn't get you guys. <laughs> All right. Coming up, is Julio Jones on the trade market? Or teams just calling to find out whether or not on draft night he could be movable? What should the Falcons do? with their all-pro receiver. We will have that and much more straight ahead on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 rolls on, hour one, hitting the headlines from the weekend and from this Monday morning. One of them as we enter NFL Draft Week, Julio Jones, star wide out for the Atlanta Falcons. Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, has said that while he would love for Julio Jones to remain a Falcon, he's not going to stand in the way of the new regime if, in fact, they decide that it's in the best interest of the franchise to trade him. He is due a, a, a lofty sum uh, against the cap. That, that is something to consider as you're going to see some teams in the mix for him. Uh, Las Vegas has the Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders as the top two contenders for a trade. Funny enough, as we sit here in Nashville, the Titans are in the top five teams mentioned by Las Vegas uh, in the, the sports books for uh, odds to trade for him. But at the very top of the list, the Ravens and the Raiders, who I don't know if they've been specifically reported for picking up the phone and calling, but Albert Breer and Peter King both have said in their weekly columns that the Falcons are receiving phone calls about him. Now, whether or not they're going to get an offer that's worth trading, that's, of course, to be determined. And again, you're picking up a big chunk against the cap this year. Well, Peter King mentioned specifically that this would be a June 1st deal that would benefit the Falcons the most because after June 1st, they could split the um, cap, cap acceleration in half. Uh, part this year, part next year. And so if you're making that deal, you can't make that deal now. You have to make it officially after June 1st, which means you would be trading for something next year's draft, not this year's draft. Um, so it wouldn't benefit the Falcon. You would be trading Julio Jones, but you wouldn't be getting anything that would help you until 2022. And if, uh, if the Falcons are, in fact, in win-now mode, um, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, if they draft Trey Lance and they're in deferred win mode, it might make sense. If they draft 
uh, Kyle Pitts, you could say, well, they've got another receiving option now. But if you had Kyle Pitts and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, you'd say, hey, uh, Matt Ryan and those guys, you know, go score a ton of points and, and win games. So, uh, and, and Peter King was saying, you know, the cost uh, for him would probably be a 2022 second rounder. Would you rather have a 2022 second rounder in your pocket or Julio Jones this year? I, I you know. I'm not a long well, they, game guy. I'm a win now guy. Well, unless the new GM Terry Fontenot is coming in trying to make sure that he has cap space now and moving forward, doesn't that this is the way to do that? Doesn't that seem obvious though? If they make this move or they're trying to make this move, that they're going quarterback. I, I feel like this right. is something done. You said win now, Paul, or win later. This feels like a, certainly a win later type method of going about business. And uh, I was actually talking to a Falcons fan at our event this weekend in Knoxville. And it's crazy to hear the different opinions of fans. Of what they should do. Of what they should do. He was all in on, you have to draft a quarterback. You don't know when you're going to pick fourth again. you got a new coach in Arthur Smith. You've got to draft a quarterback. I don't care if Matt Ryan has three or four good years left. Go get a quarterback. Start building with that new quarterback right now. You talk to other Falcons fans who say, no, get get Matt Ryan more help. Right, this team has needs at other places other than quarterback. You need to keep Matt Ryan. But if they trade away Julio Jones, I take it as a clear sign they're doing something at quarterback in this draft. Well, I take it as, and this isn't going to happen until more, after the draft anyway. So the draft pick's going to tell us more yeah. so if this is likely to happen or not. I think. Is there is there a is there talk about the Falcons trading out of four? To gather more. I mean, I think I think it's a possibility. Like you've got the choice: quarterback for later, player for now, or get a very good player for now and ensure yourself that if you need a quarterback for later, you're in a better position. It's mock draft season, so we've probably all seen something on a mock draft. But you're passing Kyle Pitts. But what I the the scenario I've seen at two different places in mock drafts. I'm not exactly sure who wrote this, but Falcons trading out of that with Denver. Denver coming up and getting Trey Lance. At number four, and then the Falcons moving back that way and getting what someone is that, else. Eleven, nine, nine. I think you move back to nine. A pretty good spot. Uh, You're getting one. Pitts is likely going in this scenario with Atlanta trading out. I would have him going to Miami at six. Uh, and, Though they and, could go receiver. And yeah, um, yeah, they could, uh, depending on what Cincinnati does. That's a great point. So. Maybe they feel like they could gamble a bit and get the receiver or the or Pitts. They could get a receiver as they trade down at nine. Getting Pitts at nine would be a. I mean, if they traded out a four and got Pitts at nine, that would be a phenomenal draft. One thing that the, all, every team's going to have if they're trading up for a quarterback, uh, one of these wideouts, uh, opt-out years, whatever it may be, uh, Paul, they're not going to have the benefit of their team doctors giving a medical assessment of anyone with an issue. Some of them have, are a part of the pool that the NFL is using for every team up in Indianapolis this year. But the lack of a combine, this, and you spoke with, with John Robinson, the Titans general manager, about this earlier today, that, that is a, that, that's sticking out from the off-season mist of evaluation in person. Yeah, it sticks out for me. Like, you might have been lucky that your doctor was in the pool that got to uh, tug uh, or examine um, the, the back. Or a shoulder. Or the shoulder in question. I'm thinking specifically in the Titans instance of Caleb Farley. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're taking a pool report, now, Robinson made it sound like your doctor would have been able to sneak in there and talk to him, but he wouldn't necessarily have been able to examine him. So were you lucky, and was your doctor one of the pool doctors that got to examine Caleb Farley, and then you have firsthand intel? I think that firsthand intel really helps you, right? You're a lot more confident in your doctors than in a pool report. So if you're considering Caleb Farley and you have firsthand information, well, your assessment of Caleb Farley, I think you're that much more confident in. If you're taking a pool report that you weren't involved in, uh, you know, how confident are you in that pool report? I think the quarter of the league that had their own doctors in with Caleb Farley are much more confident in a thumbs up or thumbs down of Caleb Farley than the three quarters of the league who were not. Um, and that's going to be in play, in my estimation, behind the scenes on judgments on the guys that have the most important medical issues. 
And we're never going to know if you were in on those, if your team was in on those, or if your team was not in on those. So these are the kind of, I don't want to say shady, it's nothing shady about it. These are just the mysterious issues going on behind the scenes that could be playing a role on picks all the way through this thing that have it's medical a, it, questions. To me, I think of the pool report almost like if you're a general manager and you're not, you were not able to scout every player or your team wasn't able to, and you pick up a draft guide and you have to trust the draft guide on the yeah. assessment, the pros, cons, weaknesses, and you're going through that and you're making a judgment based on that write-up, based well, on that medical evaluation. Nobody's trying to throw anybody off here, right? Because you're sharing your own medical report. So the Titans doctors, when they're examining Farley, are sharing what they found about Farley with everybody else. But everybody feels better about their own doctor than somebody else's doctor. But this week, a great example is this week you could have that guy in, your team doctors, to discuss and help pinpoint exactly issues and timetables. You could zoom with them. If you have your, if right. you save your fifth zoom with the guy, so you could get you could get further down a path with a guy than another. I, team. I think, I think that's uh, there's something there. For and Farley's one of the I key think examples it's an issue yeah. for teams, and he's one of the key examples. So if, if you know the Titans are at 22, they need a quarterback, the, cornerback, cornerback. Yeah. Sorry, if if they take him. You know, uh, I'll ask afterwards. You know, uh, d did you in fact have your hands on him? Yeah, but it's you know. more—it's more than just a. Uh, I think he's going higher than people think. I, I think, think there's going to be lower a, than people. I think there's going to be a team that just loves him and they're fine with the medical part of it. And I think that team's going to take him. It's going to be a team higher in the draft than we're thinking. What's right interesting now. though is they, I, I would feel more confident in that had he had back issues. Uh, he's also had a, he's he's torn his ACL prior. Uh, this was two or three Seems seasons a ago. Prone. Um, and he's had a back issue that he just had a surgery to repair pain in March. Late. Uh, it was just so recent that it's top of mind for a lot of teams. Yeah, I feel better about it if it's a, a knee. You know, uh, back stuff scares scares me. I I don't know. He's a, he's one of the big mysteries about this first round, and he's uh, he's a guy that unlocks a lot of things one way or the other if he's on the board for a long time or if he comes off the board like you're thinking Chad or earlier um, just based and, on traits and I'll tell you one guy that's real curious about him is Newsom uh, because Newsom's directly tied to a lot of opinions about Farley right is, is Newsom the third cornerback or is he the fourth well but to see Newsom that now we're getting into the position Caleb Farley can play every position uh, that you need him to play at corner Newsom is he's an outside corner no, Newsom is a slot guy. He's a oh, nickel. He's a he's a pure nickel. Caleb Farley, you know, over six feet tall, aggressive, physical, man-to-man -man corner. Newsom's going to play more in the slot and be more of your sub package. Nickel. And those guys are valued a, a ton. Now you're talking about team need. Right. I mean, people aren't going to hesitate to take a nickel corner in the low teens, early 20s if you need that guy. That's a starting caliber position. You know, he, Teams are playing nickel 60, 70 percent. Um, so you're not saying I'm not taking a nickel high, or I'm not, it's like saying I'm not taking a third wide receiver high. It's all a matter of how your roster's constructed. A lot coming up in the Tennessee Power Hour. But speaking of Newsom and Farley, we, we can tie this into a question that the Titans have surely already answered internally, uh, but worth discussion about the position, and it determines the path that they may go on the type of corner that they want because they do need to add a corner uh, in this draft, uh, starting quality for that matter. We'll get into that, but also uh, recap some big takeaways from the orange and white game in Knoxville, and we will discuss and recap more of what John Robinson had to say today in his press conference with media. It's coming up on the Tennessee Power Hour on OutKick 360. Hang with us.